in the course of last month, we had Pastor Sam Long, Pastor Shane Baxter, Pastor Tim Hall, and then we also had Australia's Apostle, Clark Taylor, um, in the house, which was amazing, yep. literally amazing, shook the house literally. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, those of you who don't know, if you were at the 9 o'clock and you weren't at the 11, and this is why you never know what can happen. you got to be in the room. I'm going to preach a message <laughs> next year called, You Just Have to Be in the Room. Sometimes people say, we'll tune in online. It's great to tune in online, but you have to be in the room. At the 11 o'clock, we had Pastor Clark Taylor, uh, and he was just attending. But then the last five minutes, can I say, I went back into 1972. It was phenomenal. I w- I've never been in 1972, but last, last, last week I was put in a time machine. And, and, and I'm joking there, but can I say the anointing of it's God true. was thick. People were set free. Even today, people are texting me on miracles and breakthroughs that have happened. We've seen people with, I'm not, I'm not just talking about like a little headache. I'm talking about people that have had accidents, people that have had crashes, suffering with stuff in their bodies for 10 years that have seen miracles and are still good. And so can I just say, it's great to be in the room when God is there. Amazing. And so, uh, you know, today what we want to do is we thought, you know, just sort of we wanted to land the plane in November rain uh, because the rain has come and there's a bit of a puddle and we just sort of saying let's talk about some things because what I love about downpour is downpour yes we are denominationally we are a Pentecostal church uh, but what I love about downpour is we've got people from every different background and my most favorite people are people that have never been in the church because our mission is the lost found the found led the led raised and so maybe you were in our meetings you were in some of those meetings and there were things that happened and you're just like I know God is here like there was no doubt that God was there but it's sort of like what just happened there and today we just want to talk about just having a bit of a conversation around this uh, in fact, one of the big emphasis on the weekend gone was this thing called deliverance. Uh, if you do not know much about deliverance, a great place to start is a series called November Rain, which is on YouTube, where I spent three weeks talking about the biblical posture of deliverance. So if you missed out on the services, can I encourage you to get a hold of it? Because I think there were some great things in there. I also want to share with, with us that we need to understand that we live in a fallen world and there are things we face that are supernatural uh, that exist regardless of the fact that we embrace it or we don't. In fact, I want to share a scripture from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Literally those words there, flesh and blood, we can just replace that with we wrestle not against things that are physical or things that are visual. We wrestle not against things that we can see or things that, are, that have substance, but against principalities, something actually more superior, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So what we got to understand is the scripture teaches us that there is a battle happening. And so it's pretty important. Now, can we give a big hand for Mr. Justin DeCosta, who's been creating such incredible mute music. Thank you so much. Uh, but we got to realize that there is a spiritual battle, isn't there, Leah? Absolutely. And I guess one of the, um, like, and I'm speaking this on behalf of people too, because not many of us know that we were itinerary ministers before we even actually started planning this church. And so in our itinerary years, like, one of the most common questions that was asked literally was, why does the man of God have to come straight on my face and say, devil, get out in Jesus' name? 
So what's your answer to that? So like you, the question is, why, really why, why is the yelling? Why is the yelling? Why the yelling? Why is the yelling? Why is the yelling? I think, I, think, I think that's a really practical. So, for example, sometimes when you receive prayer, uh, sometimes they lay hands on you and say, you know, be bold or be strong or, you know, be loosed in Jesus' name. You know, come out in Jesus' name. And, and so the question is, why do you have to change their accent? Why? All that sort of stuff. And so uh, this, is a very, this is a very practical question. Uh, and you guys are going to enjoy this, I reckon. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a very practical question. Uh, and, and, and when we look at, the, I think the model of our ministry is Jesus. It's not Alwyn. It's not Leah. It's Jesus. Whenever Jesus spoke to demons, he always spoke in a firm tone. In fact, uh, we don't have all the scriptures, but in Luke 4.35, when he rebukes a demon, the Bible says he, he, he speaks to the devil in a stern voice. And I looked at the, this morning, in fact, I just want to make sure I'll just brush it up on my English. But the word stern there is firm, uh, almost like you have no authority, like someone that is accessing a room that shouldn't be there. It's sort of when you enter a place and they say, sir, you cannot enter here, in a stern voice. And I think the problem is, I think the question is not, why is they yelling? I think there's a misunderstanding when we assume that we are the ones being yelled at. Wow. I think that's the misunderstanding. And you got to understand that when you are receiving a prayer, you are not the one being yelled at. What is being yelled at, at on most occasions is the stronghold that has been keeping you away from the call of God. And so the yelling is really, there is a call of God on your life. There is a God-given potential in your life. You're called to touch nations. You're called to transform uh, cities, you're called to touch your family, but there are strongholds that actually have no permission that have crept into you. And, and when, when a man is ministering, when a woman is ministering, they are seeing in a realm that is not, as I said, physical or visual. They're seeing into an unseen realm and they're taking authority on behalf of you. Uh, and so it's really, really powerful uh, no, with this whole that's concept. That's very interesting. Just to add to that, I believe one of the greatest temptations that Christians to this very day, we kind of like fall into is trying to deal with Satan by our human, uh, the way I put it, is a human fleshly weapons. Like literally, such as like resolutions. Like, you know, I'm not going to go and return to this. I'm going to do this to take my focus off the sin or the addiction whatsoever. Human ways. But what you don't understand is we're living in a natural world. And there is a supernatural world. As there is a physical world to a spiritual world. And so how do you deal something of a spiritual with the physical? That's right. You see, th that doesn't make any sense. And so I believe it's like, um, and the way I have actually put it is, it is actually this cosmic conflict in the invisible realm. And that is a basis for all the conflicts in the physical and visible realm. Wow. I just said it as it is. Like, we try to fight with the spirit. When the Lord says, like, and, and with the spiritual armor of God. You see, the Bible says that He has actually given us an armor, literally, to put on when there's a warfare. And now, what are those armors? Like, literally, um, it's like He says, come fully armored. And that is, we have the, um, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith the sword of the Spirit. And I believe when you don't have all these things, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's actually waiting. The Bible says in the, in the book of First Peter that the enemy is seeking to find somebody that he can prowl on, like literally look for somebody that he could pull them down. 
And I think he's looking for someone who's not fully armored. Like literally. Like some of us are weak in our salvation. The Bible says put on the helmet of salvation. Some of us are lacking our faith. So he says put the shield of faith. Some of us are dying because of there's no truth. And hence the pants go down. So he says put the belt of truth. How do you fight with no pants on? Put your underwear on. That was a word for somebody this Christmas. <laughs> and I want to say this because you're not fighting this battle for victory. You're actually fighting this battle from victory. Come on. Knowing that Jesus has already fought for us. So deliverance is not showing you a sign of your defeat. Where someone thinks, oh, I feel so defeated because the man of God came and laid hands on me. I can't look at the crowd anymore. I don't know what they think of me no. anymore. But what you don't understand is, that is not you failing. No, not at all. That is you coming up now and putting on your full armor of God and going, enemy, now I'm ready to fight. Let's fight this fight because God has already fought this fight for me and I've actually won this battle. So come, let's go. Let's do this together. This so I start good. believing that. I, I sometimes feel like the moment we have a deliverance kind of a, ser a service like or a conference, whatever, I feel like people often leave the church rather than stay in the church because it felt so defeated. Like now I can't even face my neighbor. I don't know what they're thinking about me. But when did this become about you? You died the day you asked Jesus to come and live inside you. Now this is about Jesus. And he fought a good fight. He fought a good fight. There is nothing for us to hide our face on, feel sad about. I tell you what, I would love and wake up every day asking God, rebuke me. Rebuke me if there is a spirit of yours that's not of yours. Watch me, cleanse me, wash me. You know, like do anything that you can to take whatever is not of yours and let your will be done on my life. Now, that is not a prayer of defeat. That's a prayer of victory. That's right. And that's what I want everyone to keep your eyes on. That is what deliverance is all about. Yeah. So good. To add to the whole topic of yelling, I will just say one more thing. When you're in a building and it's burning, uh, no one is going to be talking polite. You are thankful for the firemen that came and yelled and not just yelled, but dragged your body parts out on the floor, dragging you. There may be some scratch marks, some battle scars, but thank you for the people that come and save us. And so I think sometimes we even need to have that perspective that uh, when ministry is happening, sometimes people are saving us from deception. People are saving us from fire. People are saving us from strongholds that have been taking us captive for years. That's absolutely powerful because... Now that makes sense because hell is nothing but fire. That's right. Wow. Literally nothing but fire. Yep. And you're screaming out and shouting and asking, telling them, reminding them that you're actually staying in a building that's on fire. Get out. Wow. Come out. Yep. Come out in Jesus' name. No wonder why we hear people actually yelling straight at your face. Devil, get out. Because literally what they're trying to say is that he's actually asking you to come out of them. You're literally asking, because the, fi the building is literally on fire and you don't want to be on fire. You want to be in a consuming fire that is of God's. You see, God's fire does not actually run down. It's like it, you, can't, you can't put that fire down. It's always burning, which, is, which leads me to one of the th factors that I don't believe in burned out. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in burned out. You can't, be, you can't go in a phase of feeling burned out because that does not exist in the Bible. So long you have Jesus inside you, the fire is still burning. The fire is still burning. You know, I'm, I'm sure not many of us know this, but... 
today. Yes. You want to share that, Pastor Alvin? Oh, like about um, we had one of the most amazing general evangelists of God, Pastor Reinhard Bonke, who's actually gone to be with God. Absolutely. He was a general of faith. He's an amazing man of God. He was one of those men who actually even prayed for me and Pastor Alvin in, in our early days before we even started. And I just want you to know Africa is never the same because of him. Like literally lives were changed. And I and Pastor Alvin spoke this morning too that we're believing that the heavens are opening, obviously today, to welcome him. But the people that's going to be in the front side of the gate, like literally, do you want to? The Africans running. We'll have a multitude, 75 million Africans saved under his ministry. We'll be running. We're just imagining the scene of Jesus trying to greet him, but African spirits, African souls running to the front to meet this legend of faith. Now, Pastor Avon, like literally um, in one of your sermons, you actually mentioned that we delivered the, the demon and we discipled the flesh. Yep. I love, I love what you just said because I want to use a statement, actually just springboard to address some things that happens when, when you experience God one-on-one. Deliverance is literally a multi-layered. Like there are different levels of freedom. And like some of us may have experienced a massive breakthrough. Sometimes I find once it happens, people sort of like do not want to address it. And, you know, like say, for example, once you sort of like had a breakthrough they just feel like they're completely healed and restored and they don't want to do anything about it. Yep. But I believe that's the time when God wants you to go and connect with people. Yes. I don't know if you understood this, but every time Jesus laid hand on a sick woman or a sick child or a dead person, and when the person comes back to life, you know the first thing that Jesus tells looking at the crowd? Make sure he's being fed. Make sure you give him some food to eat. Why did he say that? You know, I love the fact that Pastor Alvin actually said deliverance is nothing but children's bread. If it is a bread, do you just simply eat just one day of the week? Wow. We all die with starvation, don't we? In the same way, the moment you get your deliverance, it just means keep eating your bread every day, which means break bread with the community. Break bread with the people that you do life with. You know, go to your circle, start finding a mentor, start relating with them, start talking your heart out, start sharing your testimony, start finding somebody who can speak wisdom into your life because that's something that you lacked. Like that's one of the reasons why we got into that place to begin with and we don't want to return. And how many of you know once the enemy has actually washed us and, you know, has, has walked away from us, he comes back more stronger with seven more. So that means you got to be seven times seven stronger than he is. And how do you do that? Not just by yourself, but of course by praying, by fasting, by reading your Bible, by being in the Holy Spirit, but also a good company, a mentor, a leader who can direct you. Let's talk about that. So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus talks about this and he says, when a spirit leaves. We're getting very spiritual this morning. We in church, so we should. Uh, when a spirit leads, leaves a person, it says, he will find seven others stronger. And this is a problem I have with Christians that have experienced deliverance. They're so prideful. Demons are more humble than us. They will accept that they're not strong enough to take us down, and they will find seven others stronger than them. Whereas Christians are so prideful that they will live in their, oh, I'm in freedom. I don't want to talk about freedom. You know, I don't want to talk to anybody. But you, this is the time when you've got to find seven others stronger 
and connect and find true community, find true unity, find true strength and, and defeat the works of the enemy. I love that. And I, I remember in the start of this year, I had this word that I had for like everyone and that was the extent of your vision is a boundary of your blessing. The extent of your vision. Sometimes our, our, our vision is so limited to just that much. And the people that we do life with kind of extends our vision. And that is the boundary to your blessing. Mm. How much you can go is how much you can possess. How much you see is how much you can possess. And for, to see, a, you know, I, let me just put it this way. If Apostle Paul needed somebody to lay hands on him to get his sight back, after a good encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus uh -huh. himself. Wow. I'm talking to somebody here. The importance of having a mentor to take the scales off your eyes is important. Very good. It's very, very important. Now, you need to understand, the moment we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, let, and, and physically, let me just tell you, I am a great example for this, okay? Last weekend, I was in the front as well. And when the man of God actually laid hands on me and prayed for me, I was obviously knocked down. Now, some of you know that I was actually knocked because they tried to put me on my feet and I fell down again and again and again, multiple times. But when I went back home, I don't, I don't know how to explain this to you, but my eyes were so weak that I couldn't see. It was so blinded that I couldn't see. It started having like, like pain in the eye. Like literally, I almost felt like scales when I closed my eyelids. I looked at Alan and I said like, I can't see. I literally can't. And, and, and I'm, actually having, I'm, I'm actually having pain. And then what he did was he came in the way and he, and he actually got me on my knees. And I, I, was, I, I, was, I just put the worship music on and I started praying. And I said, God, I had an amazing encounter with you. But my eyes seemed so blinded. Like I can't see. So he's like, you need somebody to lay hands on you. And I said, I, I thought they did. But he goes like, no, I want you to understand you cannot do this encounter by yourself. You need people around you. And so I remember Pastor Alvin coming and praying and praying for me. And then the next thing I know is my, the pain just lifted up. And, it, and, and all, I could see everything so clearly. And I was like, God, what are you doing? And he tells me, some people are blinded so spiritually that their physical eyes can't see it. I just said it. You're so blinded with your spiritual life that you are so blinded to the physical too. That you just don't care what people say about you as long as you're having an encounter with God himself. But this is not about you and God. Ministry is never about you and God. It is God and people. So if you can't do life with people, I know what sort of life you're doing with God alone. There is a reason why Enoch and Elijah couldn't live on earth by themselves. Because all they did was journey just with God. And God's like, I don't see you influencing people, so I need to take you. I just said it. Enoch just walked with God. It doesn't say he walked with people. Wow. Elijah just hid himself only with God and not with people, but from people. And that's not who we are called to be in the book of Acts. He's actually called us to do life with people. So the moment you have an encounter with God, it does not mean I'm going to Enoch's journey. Bye-bye. See you, see you. I'm just going to go to heaven. This is me and my life. Elijah, the chariot of the horse is going to come anytime now and take me off. But that's not who God is. He gives you an encounter for someone else. So you could connect with people. And that's the importance of actually deliverance. It's not just simply about you. So good.
So good. One, one of the things that um, under this whole thought of we deliver the demon, be disciple the flesh, is I've had some people even say, Pastor, I'm Thursday, Friday, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to struggle. I'm beginning to, I thought I was set free from that. I thought I was set free from this. Why am I struggling? Deliverance sometimes reveals a root of something that's embedded in our souls. And sometimes we are completely delivered. Other times the fruit of that stronghold is still hanging on our flesh. Are you with me? And I want to show you a scripture that I'm going to share that you have, you've probably never seen this in the light that I'm about to share. Romans 9, 12. This is, this is Paul talking about Esau and Jacob. Check it out. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. Like, what does that got to do with anything? I'll tell you. Firstly, the question you got to ask is, why is Paul talking about Jacob and Esau? So there were two brothers. Esau was the older one. Jacob was the younger one. So now I need you to understand spiritually what that means. There are two yous. So I'm 34 34 years old, but I'm also 19 years old. Because I got saved 19 years ago. So Jacob in me is 19, but Esau in me is 34. My 34-year-old must learn to serve my 19-year-old. Some of you have been Christians only for three months, so you've got a three-month baby in you, and you're 30, and that's why you struggle. So you got to teach your flesh to submit to the spirit that is within you, that is growing. The younger, the older must serve the younger. So even though you've been delivered, there are still residues and there are still habits and there are still mindsets and there are still patterns that have been there for the last 30, 20, 15 years that you've got to undo. Are you with me? Absolutely. Cool. Now, Pastor, like, I know you've actually seen so many healings, like literally so many healings, and I've been in most of them, uh, most of your um, iTunes life. And, uh, but when you have a word for somebody... In terms of the healing, uh-huh. do you actually expect them to come out of your medication, or like, um, what is your view on that? So, um, when when they so let's say someone is having a medication, they say they've been healed or they have been healed, yeah. and the question is, do we say get rid of your medication? Yeah. So this is this is a controversial topic. Uh, there has been, in fact, actually at Downport, there has been some people over the last few weeks that have gotten off their medications, not because I told them I didn't even know they were on medications. I came to know after they got off medications, but we've got people that were on medications for six years, seven years, 10 years that have gotten off it. And in fact, I believe that we don't, we don't tell anybody that, in fact, I think we should never ask anyone to get off their medication. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, I have the authority to do that because your body is your body and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can lead you to that place. I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I can't lead you to that place. Uh, and so let's say, and here's the thing, this is my theory on, on medical practices. I love the medical practice. Uh, I love uh, the facilities that we have. I think all of that God uses to release healing. He uses all different kinds of forms to heal his people. Uh, But let's say you have a medical condition and let's say you are healed. What's the worst that's going to happen if you still take your medication? It's going to go in, probably cause some indigestion and come from the other end. (laughs) And then eventually you're going to feel like, and and what usually happens I find is sometimes with people uh, is that 
they forget about it a day or two, and then they're just like, oh, I'm all right. That's usually what happens. And so I love how the Holy Spirit leads his church and how the Holy Spirit leads his people. And so I would ask you, I hope that no one's ever told you you cannot or you should not, that you getting off your medication uh, or you depending on your medication is not a lack of faith. What you need is a word of wisdom. It's not a step of faith. So let the Holy Spirit guide you. He is the one that created you. He's the one that designed you. He knows your body. He knows what your body needs, and he will lead you. And I love that when we do that, it actually empowers people more than anything as opposed to the pastor telling, get off your meds because that's a lack of faith. We will never do that here. Uh, and I want to also share one more thing. This is sort of a bit of a different topic, but really talking about the spiritual elements of life. I read a scripture from 1 Samuel a few weeks ago. Uh, as we were doing the November rain series, I didn't find it appropriate to fit it in any of my teachings, but I felt it's really appropriate to talk about as a church. Because maybe you've come in and you're like, oh, I, I, love, I love the part of church where we're all happy and clappy. I love the part of the church where it feels like motivational and a pep talk. But you know when people fall and when people yell and when people cry, oh, I don't like that part. So let's talk about that. First uh, Samuel 13, 15. I want to share with you a scripture that I believe is going to be very powerful. Samuel rose and went from Gilgal the rest of the people went up after Saul to meet with the army they went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin and Saul numbered the people who were present with him about 600 men I want you to remember that number Saul numbered there were 600 men now verse 19 check out now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, or his sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and for the mattock, and a third of a shekel for sharpening the axes and for setting the gods. So on the day of the battle, there were... Not, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. So I want you to look up here. I don't know if you understand how bizarre that story is. The Philistines, just to help you out, are the enemies. Okay, spiritually they looked at as the enemies. Israelites are looked at as God's people. We are also God's people. So the scenario is for whatever reason, there is no blacksmith in Israel. So this does not just affect their warfare this also affects their agriculture no sickles no plowshare so i was reading on this and some theologians say that years ago the philistines strategically attacked uh, different areas of israel that had blacksmith in them to a point that there was no blacksmith in the land so how crazy is this you're my enemy and to buy weapons to beat you up i need to come to you we laugh, but that's exactly what's happened to the church. We go to the enemy to find out about our future. We go to psychics. We think it's all cool but to find out about this. We go to random healers that don't know anything about anything to fix things in our backs, whatever, because the church has no blacksmith. And I feel like we don't want to be a church that doesn't have a blacksmith. We want to be a church that has weapons, that are spiritual, that really have a purpose. And here's the funny part. Here's, here's what is interesting. When Israel lost its weaponry, it did not just lose its weapon, it also lost its harvest. Maybe you're struggling financially, not because you're, you're bad with money, but because maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit operating in your finances. Food for thought. The cost of living an unspiritual life 
is dangerous. And can I just say, we are a Holy Spirit church. We will never apologize for the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not a little, little group here doing good things. There are a lot of good things we'll do in the community, but we are a Holy Spirit church church that's who we are we want the spirit of god moving in our church we want healings we want miracles we want the words and knowledge we want prophetic to flow that's who we are because that's what the church needs amen leah one of the things that uh you know a lot of a lot of us some of us know is is your testimony and one of the things even this weekend last weekend when we were with tim hall uh you shared your testimony and he was like you need to write a book and then he was like i need to hook you up with my uh publishing company to get this book going and one of the things that happens is whenever you share your testimony, your testimony is powerful, but one of the things that happens is when you do share your testimony, it's not just the fact that people are inspired, but it actually creates an atmosphere for people that are going through similar stuff to experience healing. Uh, you know, for example, I can talk about unforgiveness and two people come up. I'll t leave will talk about unforgiveness and 200 people will come up uh, because I haven't had too many people to forgive. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and so is this a different scenario? But it's powerful. It's not just a testimony, Leah, but it's also there's a power that is produced when a testimony is spoken. Can you share on that? Yeah, it's actually backed up in, the, in a scripture that's so beautifully um, woven, I think. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, and I'm reading the NKGV um, version. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see, that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And, and the verse goes on to say, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Now, I don't know how many of you are here and just you're like sitting here. And you know, many times when people ask you about your testimony, we always go back to salvation. Does that make sense? Like the day I gave my heart to Jesus, like literally. But do you know that um, for me, salvation is was the best thing that happened when I was 19 because that was my first encounter with Jesus himself. But when I got super excited, now so many of you, some of you may know, may know or may not know the story, but that's okay. Um, I'm just going to share a bit of my story, and that is um, when I was up in the terrace deciding whether or not should I jump or not, I remember I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and my first view on things in life was, man, I need to find somebody and get them saved. Like literally, because this time I know what, who Jesus is, who God is, and who the Holy Spirit is. But I remember out of that excitement, I literally had an experience of a hook, literally on my collar. Like I was, as I was about to run down and share the gospel to somebody. And that hook was nothing but the Holy Spirit himself. And he was like, what are you going to share? I was like, the fact that you're alive? And he goes like, uh, I know that. And I'm sure they know that, but what are you going to talk? What are you going to tell them? And I said, the fact that you live. And he goes like, is that all? Is that all, Leah? What is salvation? And I go like, I don't know. And then he tells me, salvation is deliverance. Salvation is healing. Salvation is knowing that it's no more you, but it's me who is working in you from now on. And I remember when people ask me my story, I actually talk about my deliverance. That is why I'm not ashamed of deliverance. That is why I'm not ashamed of actually going like, I need to put a mask on right now because I don't want to face people. I like to take the mask off and just show who people I am. Because I want you to understand that I was delivered from lust. I was actually delivered from anger. I was actually delivered from bitterness. I was actually delivered from unforgiveness. I want you to celebrate on those things. Rather than just simply sitting on your chair and going like, I just accept the Lord as my personal savior. But as what? 
Who is your, he is your savior, but in what area of your life is he your savior? To me, that is deliverance. See, if you can't crown him properly as the king of what? Then, then what is he a king of? You see, Jesus died on the cross and it said king of the Jews. Because he was technically the king of Jews. But you and I are not Jews. So what is he the king of in your life? He's the king of your failures. Wow. He's the king of your weakness. He's the king of your problems, your issues, your health, your everything. He is your king. He's your king of everything. And unless you have that encounter, that deliverance, unless you're willing to just hold on to that and embrace that, wow. you will never experience salvation. You'll never experience salvation. And I want you to understand one of the armors of God, it didn't say was deliverance. I love the fact that one of the armors of God was actually salvation. The helmet of salvation. You don't want to get knocked on your head. In a war. Because as long as you have your head in place, you can keep moving. You can keep moving. But the moment you get knocked on your head, guess what happens? You've lost it all. So people talk about salvation, but they don't understand salvation is part of deliverance too. It's part of deliverance. Deliverance should be your key thing. And you should never be ashamed of what you've been delivered for and from. Isn't that amazing? Now, I understand that our, our story is not just our story. It's not for us to keep. You know, I love the fact that Jesus is celebrated as a historian figure. But I keep saying this to everyone. He's not history. Uh-uh. He's revelation. He's revelation. He's not a history figure. His story is not, his story might be a history, but it's also a revelation. Your story was not meant for you, but it was meant for someone else. It's a spirit of prophecy for someone else. Let me say this again. If I'm being delivered of lust, anybody who's hearing me right now who is struggling with it, let me tell you right now, there is a spirit of prophecy present as I speak that's going to deliver you right now as you hear me. That's how powerful your testimony should be. It should be backed up by the spirit of prophecy because that's a testimony of Jesus. When you're sitting and sharing a story and everyone's like, the time. Yeah, good. Let me just leave. If this is how they look at you, there is no spirit of prophecy that's backing it up. That's why Pastor Alvin always throws me there and to bring life into a room sometimes. Really, it's not because of anything else. It's because of the spirit of prophecy is present. Whenever you share whatever you have laid down at the feet of Jesus, every sacrifice that you have paid is someone else's testimony. Wow. It's for someone else. I don't believe I should have died when I was 19. And you know what? I could have known Jesus and then died. But he kept me alive for a reason. There's so many women, young women, young kid, a woman, I don't know, whoever. It could be anybody. I'm alive for you. I'm alive for you. You're alive for someone else. Taking your life is actually taking million people with you. That's why I'm against suicide. You're not just simply killing yourself. You're killing an entire generation that was tied to you. Can you imagine for a second Moses committing suicide? My gosh. Can you imagine? Can you just for a second imagine Moses committing suicide? 
Because if this was all about his story, he should have died by now. The burning bush experience was not just simply for him. It's for everyone. You and I read about it right now, don't we? That's how powerful it is. So celebrate your story because there's a spirit of prophecy that's wrapped around the testimony of Jesus. Last weekend wasn't just any weekend. It was your deliverance weekend. It's a place where you can take a book and start writing your story. It's not just my story that needs to be written on a book. It's your story too that needs to be heard and celebrated. I'm actually clapping hands for all you champions who were out here last week in the front, unashamedly, undoubtedly standing there to receive your miracle. Hats off to you guys. So good. I'm so proud so of good. you guys. And go ahead. Finish this war. Finish this race in a good way. Amen.